Well, greet a couple people this morning before you're seated. I'm glad you're here. Tell, tell someone they're blessed in the house of God today. He is so good to us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, welcome those of you that are online this morning. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Oh, Father God, we love you this morning. Uh, just bring every thought captive right there. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Don't worry about, don't think about tomorrow because faith is right now. Bring every thought captive right now to the obedience of Christ. Just put all your focus and attention on him <laughs> right there, right now. You know, it's in these moments of worship where you just engage your spirit and the Holy Spirit comes and rests and settles on you. That's where you hear that just still small voice where God just says, everything's going to be all right. That's where you hear that still small voice. God says, I got you. That's where you hear God say, I've not forgotten you. I know, I know you feel alone. I know you've been in a dry place, but I've not forgotten you. Yeah, that's where you hear God say, I'm working it out for your good. Father, we love you. We worship you. We bring every thought captive this morning to your word, the obedience of Christ, Father, that we might hear from you that we, when we leave this place today, we will leave with more faith than we've ever had, more anointing, more unction than we've ever had, more hope than we've ever had, that we can take the light of God that's on the inside of us into a darkened world, into a dark place. Lord God, we still believe. We still believe that you're a miracle worker. We still believe this morning that you want to save our loved ones, our family. We still believe, God, today that you want to set us free. We still believe, God, that you want to baptize people in the power of your Holy Spirit. We believe, God, that we're not here by accidents. This is not random. This is by your eternal design that we would be alive today with the hope of your word hid in our hearts. We love you in this place. So, Father, those that are watching, those that are here, I pray, God, that your word, your anointing will destroy every yoke and break every bondage. Yeah. Huh. Father, you said that John the Baptist, he would baptize us with water, but there was one coming after him that would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. We need your power this morning, Lord. We need your strength this morning, Father. And we know, God, that you're not hiding from us. Somebody said, where is God? I'm just telling you right now, he's not hiding. Uh, no, he's not hiding at all. He's working. He's working in you and he's working through you, both to do and to will after his good pleasure. For the purposes of the kingdom of God, they rest on the inside of you. And your future is bright. Your calling and election is sure. And the best is yet to come. His will will not take you where his grace will not keep you this morning. So let the faith of God rise on the inside of you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. With man it might be impossible, yes Lord, but with God all things are possible this morning. He gave us this message and the message is hope. It's not gloom and doom. It's not hold on till he comes. It's occupy till he comes. With hope, strength, purpose, and love. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Well, one more time, put your hands together if you love him today. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Well, I got a word this morning. I, I hope I can kind of, I hope I can get to it. I, I'm, I just want to change directions a little bit. Somebody say a little bit. A little bit. <clears throat> you know, as we were worshiping, <clears throat> I just want you to know this morning how important, you know, when people talk about worship and talk about God, some of the things that we express here when we clap our hands and raise our hands and dance and shout, you know, our bodies are an expression of what's on the inside of us. 
And so when I worship God and I lift my hands, I'm just saying, God, I surrender you. My, why? Because my heart surrendered to you. Uh, <clears throat> Lord, I clap my hands in, in ovation to you because I praise you because my heart praises you. I dance before you, not like I used to, but I dance before the Lord like David danced in celebration of what God has done. But I want to say this morning that you are not alone. And so some people would ask, well, you know, what is God doing and where is God at and why am I feeling alone or why do I feel like sometimes I'm just in this dry space, just off by myself? And I just want to tell you this morning that there is the presence of God in the earth today and all we have to do is learn how to tap into it. Open your Bibles to the book of John, the book of St. John chapter 14. St. John chapter 14. I'm going to talk, uh, we, we've, been, we've been ministering about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start here, kind of see where we end up, okay? As we were singing about hello joy and hello peace, hello hope, there's a, there's a new horizon. That's absolutely the truth. And someone would say, well, how, how can that be? You just don't know how depressed I am. You don't know what I have to face when I go home. You don't know what I see when I look into tomorrow. And God wants you to know that whatever you're facing, he's not caught off guard. He's not um, surprised by any of it. He knows exactly where you're at and exactly what you're going through. So how do we get God involved in our lives? And how can peace and joy and hope uh, and expectation of a new horizon live on the inside of us every day? How can we have this victory every day? Sometimes we, we have good days and we have bad days. Anybody, can I get a witness? Some, sometimes we're on top of the mountain and sometimes it's just like we're, we're sinking low into the valley. Well, Jesus gives us some insight here in the word of God. Some people say, well, well, wouldn't it be easier if, the, if God was just here walking with us right now? God, why don't you just show yourself? Why don't you just, why don't you just come down? Why don't you just, uh, you know, intervene? I, 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 I want to, if, boy, I wish I was one of the 12 disciples, or I wish I'd have been, walked the earth when Jesus, it would have been easier if Jesus would be sitting on the front row this morning or standing up here with this microphone giving us the Beatitudes. But I just, where is he at? I don't see him. My, my eyes, I can't see him. I, I have a hard time tapping into the intangible when I live in a tangible world. What is going on here? And I just want you to know this morning, God did not leave us down here by ourselves or alone. And he gives us this in John chapter 14. And we're going to learn just a little bit today how to tap into it and live a daily victorious life. Verse 8, let's look at verse 8. Philip, one of the disciples, said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. You know, a lot of the world is just asking, where, where is God? Just show him and we'll be satisfied. Just where's God? Just show me God and, and then I'll believe. Show me the Father, then I'll, then I'll know. And Jesus says unto him, he says, how long have I been with you yet? Has thou not known me, Philip? Good question. He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he do, do, doeth the work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or just believe me, if for nothing else, the work's sake. If you can't believe me for what I'm saying, can you believe me for what I'm doing? Can you see the miracles? Can you, can you see the, the, the healing of the blind? Can you see uh, the leopard cleanse? Can you see the, the feeding of 5,000? If you can't believe me for what I'm telling you, if it's too hard for you to handle, handle intellectually, just look at my works. The Bible says in the book of Acts, consider Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil and curing all of their diseases. Jesus was a good, good God. Amen? And he says, but if you can't believe me for what I'm telling you, and if you don't have the capacity to understand, look at what I'm doing. And he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, 
The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in my name. Yes, I will do it. So here he's saying now, not only, not only believe me for the work's sake, Watch this. The works that I do, you're going to do as well. And greater works than these. Well, what are the works of Christ? Consider Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good. You're going to do good works. You're going to pray for people. You're going to believe God for miracles. You're going to tap into what God is doing and what God desires for your life personally and the life of those that are around you in your family, in your friends, in your peers, your classmates, and your co-workers. God, what is your desire? The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that the thief came not but to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. God wants you to have the abundant life. Turn to your neighbor and say abundant life. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? Do I get the house in the neighborhood that I want? Do I get to drive the car that I want? Do, do I get the job do I, that I want? Do I, get, do I get all these material possessions that I want? Oh, well, that may be a part of it, but that is a fruit, not the root or the source of what God wants to give you. We sang about it this morning, the greatest thing that you can have. You can have all the things that I just listed, but if you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, if you don't have hope, if you don't have purpose, all those things really mean nothing to you. When you come to an end and you still have an empty void and a vacuum in your heart and you find out all these things that are around you and the possessions that you have didn't fill the void, you're going to realize that something is still missing. And God doesn't want you to miss anything. All those things are just added blessings. Sure, I want you to prosper. I want you to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I want all that for you. But the source of that isn't in your own ambition to obtain a collection of material goods. There's a deeper meaning to life. There's a greater desire in your heart than all those things. And the world and its system would tell you, no, that is the end goal. No, if we start with the inside and then we work on the outside, you'll live a life. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, hope. There is a new horizon for you. Man, if you can come from that foundation, then all those things you'll realize and understand. Those are just vehicles. Those are just tools. Those are just objects that God wants you to use for his glory, for his purpose, and for his kingdom. Because the thing that God's interested in most of all in this life is the souls and the hearts of men. And that is you. He loves you. You cannot impress him. He's not looking to be impressed. Look at everything that I've done. Look at everything that I have have achieved, God. Oh, look at all of these wonderful things and accolades. You cannot impress God. The only thing that really would impress God if he could be impressed by you, like David said, as the deer panteth for the water brook, God, oh, my soul longs for you. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I know it's a little bit harder as I stand up here after six decades of life. You might say, well, it's easier for you. I'm young. I'm full of ambition. I'm full of desire. The world is my oyster. And I understand all that. And I, I, can, I can relate to that. You know, I was young once. Yeah, but they didn't have the internet when you were a guy. Anybody know what a cassette is? <laughs> Anybody know what a Walkman is? <laughs> All right. Well, your kids won't. <laughs> oh. But the issue of, the, of man and the issue of, the man, of man's heart is the same. It's never changed. And it's the same in every language, every culture. There is a void in the heart of man that feel, that desires to be filled. But the problem is the only thing that it can be filled with is not the things that we seek to fill it with. The only thing that can be filled with is the presence of God. You can seek high and low. You can go far and wide 
to fill that desire that rests on the pit of your heart, in the, in the pit of your belly, in your soul. But listen, when you connect with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to get to that here in just a moment, you'll find out that that void, that vacuum, that deep well can be filled. Lust can never be filled. You can never fill it. That's, a, that's an endless pit. Every person walking this planet and here in this place today has these three things in common. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And with these three things, we go out in our human effort and try to fill up a spiritual vacuum that's laying deep on the inside of us. And if we can't reach it, then we turn to other things that alter our state and we turn to drugs and we turn to alcohol and we turn to relationships and we turn to promiscuity. We turn to all kinds of different things and say, man, I got to fill this void in my heart. And all you find out is if you keep stuffing lust in there, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh and the pride of life, you're going to find out that it still craves, it still empties. All that stuff does, it's a momentary, temporary pacification of a, of a, of a deeper hunger. Many of you, you know, have kids and nieces and nephews and, and whatnot. And when they get hungry, one of the things that you'll do, you'll take a pacifier and you'll stick it in their mouth because what you're trying to do is trick them. And they get that sucking motion and, they, and then that hunger that's on the inside of them, you pacify it for a moment. But after a while, the child realizes, hey, I've been tricked. Somebody tricked me here. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Somebody tricked me here. Then after a while, and that pacification doesn't work, all of a sudden the hunger cries louder. The hunger, uh, get, the pains get stronger. And the child will spit out the pacifier and he will demand satisfaction. And if I can tell this generation anything, spit the pacifier out as early as you possibly can and realize that there is a deeper satisfaction that God desires to place on the inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can have that true hello peace. Hello, joy. Hello, hope. There is a new horizon, right? So if you're just, if you're just walking around with that pacifier in your mouth trying to, to curve a hunger that can't be pacified with that pacifier that represents the things of this world, you're going to realize eventually you're going to spit that thing out. I've had that encounter in my own life. To the age of 22, I sought it all out. I tried to fill that hole. I fight, tried to fill that great chasm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody wave at me. I'm going to make you all get handkerchiefs and wave at me. <clears throat> We're going to run around church and have a Jericho march. I don't care. We'll do something. You mean you would do that? Yeah. Who cares? This isn't the world's business. And we're not here to please the world. And we're not here to be accepted by the world. And we're not here to let the world take up free rent in our mind. We're here to please God and find out what God desires for us and what, what God wants for us and how we can get from where we are to where God wants us to be and live a life of contentment. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, hope. Uh, goodbye fear, goodbye despair, goodbye to the lie. Yeah. How many of you want the truth of the word of God this morning? Put your hands together and give him some glory. <laughs> yeah, if there's anything that I would say, spit that pacifier out as early as possible because the I don't care. You can change pacifiers. Now, some parents will put that pacifier around their child's neck with a clip. Just, yeah, we just got to be on the ready. <laughs> we're on the ready. We're, you know, I, when we were coming up with a bunch of kids running around, it was always a, don't forget the pacifier. I mean, we'd, we'd leave, the, you know, we'd be visiting and leave and be five miles down the road. Hey, we got to go back. We forgot the pacifier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we didn't want to deal with the cries of hunger. And sometimes people don't want to deal with the cries of hunger, so they do everything that they can to pacify it and give it a, a, a momentarily, a moment of pacification. And really, there is no satisfaction in that. It's tricking you. You're being tricked. But God has something deeper. 
The Bible declares in the Old Testament, the prophet said, there is a deep that cries unto deep. I don't know if you've ever had those moments in your life where there's no one around and you're by yourself and you're questioning everything and you're questioning God and you're, 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 you, you feel filled with despair and hopelessness and you got tears running down your cheek and you just have a deep, deep longing desire to understand why you even, why you're even here, what you're breathing for. I don't get it, God. I don't understand, God. Life isn't fair, God. And you got that deep that cries unto deep. God, I'm, I'm hungry for something, but I don't even know what I'm hungry for. I'm desiring something, but I don't even know what I desire. Well, God has an answer for you. And it's not far away. He says here in verse 15, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. And I will pray, and he shall give you a comforter that he may abide with you. Lord, have mercy. What he say? I'm going to give you something that he can abide with you. Not just on you, but the scripture says in you. You say, well, what is it? Well, we're going to get into that in just a moment. So God says, I'm not going to leave that hole empty. That's not my intention. I don't, I'm not going to leave that hole empty and allow you to live a life filled with nothing but the struggles of the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and the pacification of material uh, desires and physical desires. I'm not, I'm not going to leave you here by yourself. I'm going to send you a, a comforter. That word comforter actually means in the Greek, it means uh, one called alongside to help. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a help, helper. Yeah, you're not by yourself. And the helper just stands by and says, when are you going to call on me? When are you going to take me seriously? When are you going to realize and know that I'm here, I'm just waiting for you to engage me? I'm just waiting for you to, to, to allow me to comfort and to help you. There's a story in the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah who just had one of the greatest miracles that he'd ever had in his ministry where he called down fire uh, from heaven in front of all the 450 prophets of Baal. And he called down fire and God lapped up the sacrifice that he placed before him. He declared something. He said, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if Jehovah is God, then serve him. How long will you vacillate between two? Make up your mind. If God is God, then serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. We're going to find out. We're going to ask Baal to answer by fire and lap up this sacrifice. And then we're going to ask God to come down and with fire and lap up the sacrifice. And Elijah's standing around and all the false prophets of Baal are doing all their witchcraft and incantation and summoning all the demons that they can summon, but they could not extract and take up the sacrifice. They were silent. They couldn't say a thing. When they needed their God and their demons and their demonic powers the most, they did a no-show. That's the devil. Because he really doesn't care what happens to you. Wait a minute. We got 450 prophets that's been serving you and sacrificing you, and we need you now more than ever, and you're going to pull a no-show? Don't you know this is going to cost us our lives? He don't care. Your enemy is ruthless. Satan does not care. He comes, like I said, to kill, steal, and destroy. And when they called upon their false gods, they did not answer. Elijah's over there twiddling his thumbs, just chilling. Then he starts mocking them. He said, where's your God at now? Is he on a journey? Is he vacationing? Perhaps he had to go to the restroom. He actually says that. In Middle East early Hebraic terms. Where is he at? You know, when you got confidence in your God, you're not afraid of nothing. You're not afraid of anything. 
You stand up with all boldness in the face of challenge and you declare a thing. I stand in faith knowing that my God will answer. With me, this thing's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Still yet today, come on and get, put your hands together. Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's tell him we believe what your word says, God. Come on, let me build your faith this morning. He has this great miracle. And after this great miracle, Jezebel gets upset. He has all the 450 prophets slain. Word gets back to Jezebel and Ahab, the evil, wicked rulers of the day in Israel. Gets back to them, they hear, and then all Jezebel does is sends a message, and she says something. She says, as it was for these prophets, so shall you be tomorrow at this time. In other words, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. I mean, isn't that just like the devil? That's all he has. He wants to threaten you. He wants to cause fear, panic, worry, and anxiety to grip your heart. He wants to extract the hope that you have. He wants to cause you to doubt God's will and word in your life. The Bible says when God plants the seed in your heart, the fowls of the air, satanic forces try to take it out. They want to, he wants to shipwreck your faith. That's his plan. And he'll put people around you to do it. He'll send spies into the camp. He'll put tares amongst the wheat. He'll use your own family, your kin, your loved ones, the things that you hold most precious and dear against you. He's ruthless. He's a betrayer. The Bible says that he is a murderer and he has been a murderer from the beginning. That's your adversary. That's the devil and that's what he has planned for your life. So he sends out a word and sends out a threat. And how does Elijah respond after the greatest miracle and the answer of God's prayer that the nation has seen and the slaying of all these prophets? She sends out one word and says, tomorrow you're going to die. It isn't even tomorrow yet, but he's afraid already. And he takes off running and he goes and he hides. Turn to your neighbor tell him, don't fear tomorrow. No matter what the devil tells you today, you do not have to fear tomorrow. Death is not even the end. But don't think for a moment that the enemy won't be whispering today, what if? How can? You can't. You're not good enough. Did you hear what they said about you? Uh, yeah, did, did, your own family. You've been rejected. You've been mistreated. You've been abused. God doesn't love you. You're a loser. And tomorrow this time, you're a dead man. Can I just tell you the devil is a liar and the father of lies and the truth is not in him. And whatever he says, it's like the news media. You can just believe the exact opposite. They're lying to you. <laughs> I can't get any help up in here. You can pick and choose, but I'm just going to tell you, they're all liars. They're of this world. They're of this system. They're a part of it, but you are in the world, but you're not of the world. You're not of this kingdom. You're of another place. You're of the kingdom of God. It's on the inside of you. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and we're going to tap into that here in just a moment. But we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So here is, here is Elijah taking off running, and he's afraid. He's afraid for something that hasn't even happened yet, but he's been threatened. The Bible talks about in the book of Acts where King Herod went forth to vex certain Christians, and the word of God says, and they, he went to God in prayer, and he said, God, behold their threatenings. Sometimes you just need to go to God. God, did you hear what they said? 
Did you hear what they want to do? Behold their threatenings, Lord. You and I are one. We are, the Bible says like Abraham, God said, I'm not calling you servants, but I'm calling you friend because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Listen this morning, if you're born again and you're on the Lord's side, you are a friend of God. I didn't say it, the Bible says it. You got a friend indeed. And he's not going to abandon you in your greatest hour of need. He may not show up when you want him to, but I promise you he'll be right on time. And sometimes God doesn't come to our rescue when we want him to come to our rescue. And he allows us to be put in positions that we've never been placed in before. Because God wants to reveal himself to you in a way that he's never revealed himself to you before. There's more to God than you know. We don't know everything. I've read this book for over 35 years, almost 38 years now. I've been in it, but I know nothing. God is, you, you cannot, it's, it's almost a search. The unsearchable riches of God. Just when you think that you know something about God and you'll open up the word, you'll seek him in prayer, he will blow your mind again. You just can't get used to and settle for a little bit of piety, a little bit of religion, a little bit of going to church, a little bit of God where you got, you're living half your life in the church and the kingdom of God and half your life in the world. Man, you just got to make up your mind. I'm all in, baby. I'm living for the truth. I'm on the Lord's side. I want nothing to do with Satan and what he has planned for this planet. I'm hungry for you, God. Yeah, but you yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, yeah, I do. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. It's nothing but a cheap, rotten, smelly pacifier. And so he runs and he's a fearing for what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not even happened yet. He's worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. And then the Bible says he goes and he hides under a juniper tree. In 1 Kings 19, you can look at it later, and he's sitting there under the juniper tree, and an angel comes to him. And the angel says to him, he brings him a cake and water. And the angel says, get up and eat. While he's sitting there complaining, God, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. Look what I just did for you. And look, I've stood and there's no one else. I'm the only one left, Lord, that stands for you. Everyone else has turned their back on you. Uh, you, you allow this Jezebel to run Israel. You, 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 Ahab's, a, a, he's nothing. And yet here I am trying to stand up for you and do what is right. And, and I just want to die. He was suicidal. The pressure was real. The threat was real. The anxiety was real. The panic was real. He ran and he hid. And he complained. And he wanted to die. He wanted to go lie with his fathers. And the angel says, get up and eat. He tells him three times, get up and eat. Turn to your neighbor and say, get up and eat. Get up. Yeah. Get up and eat. Why did he say that? He said, because the journey ahead of you is too great for you. What's in front of you is too great for you. You just need to come to that realization now. You can't handle it. This world is wicked and it will never stop throwing things at you. You think you've been betrayed for the last time? You're dreaming. You think you've been lied on for the last time? You're dreaming. You think you've been rejected for the last time? You're dreaming. 
This life is wicked. It's not fair. The depravity of humanity, the Bible says that the heart is dark and wicked and who can know it? This planet without God is total depravity and it's filling the hearts of people and even the hearts of Christians are being hardened like a time and no other time in human history. The journey that you're going to go on and the time and the place and history that God has called you, let me just tell you right now, it's too hard for you. You can't do it alone. And here's the good news. God's not asking you to do it alone. He didn't leave you down here by yourself. He didn't say, hey, I died on a cross and then I, I was laid in the tomb and then on the third day I rose again and then 50 days later I ascended to heaven and, and good luck, human race. Hold on until I come again. What's a lot of generations and millions and even billions of people from then till now that have come and gone and left and had to deal with the depravity of a broken, lost world whom the Bible says that Satan himself is the little G-O-D God of this world manipulating its system of thoughts, opinions, and ideas and propaganda to spread his lies, his despair, his hopelessness, to cause all humanity to reject even the existence of God. Now he's getting people to reject reality itself. Yeah. He busy at his, at his work. He doesn't take any days off. But God wants, wants you to know that wasn't the end of the story. There's more to the story. It's not just the death, the burial, and the, the resurrection. That wasn't the end. That was a means to the end. There's something else coming. And that was the greatest desire of God from the beginning. And that's why he came and died in the first place. That he might be with you. And not only with you, that he might be in you. Oh, calm down, James. Calm down. They're going to think you're a preacher. So, he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to give you the comforter. Look what he says in verse 17. Now, this is so powerful. What is the comforter? He says, verse 17, even the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit, all right? Let, let's just backtrack real quick. Jesus died 50 days later. He tells all his disciples, go to the upper room and tarry until you be endowed with power or endued with power from on, until I clothe you with something. Go to the upper room, stay there until he comes. Till who comes? Till the comforter comes. Go to the upper room, hang out, stay there. I'm sending the comforter. I'm about ready to birth my church. I'm about ready to seal the deal for the express purpose by which I came. As that I will not just be upon you, or you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be just recognized by you by piety and ceremony and, and feast and, and sacrifice, but rather I would be on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, he would come and he would come upon men, the prophet, the priest, and the king. I mean, and these men would do great things. I mean, Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. These men would do great things. David killed Goliath and slayed the enemies of God. The Spirit of God and might and strength would come down upon them and allow them to do extraordinary feats and display the superiority of God and the people of God for whom he was with. They lived, as long as they served him, they were unstoppable. As long as they worshiped the living God, they could not be stopped. 
No enemy could stand before the children of Israel when they were serving the living God. It was only when they commingled with the world and paganism in the world system and they adopted the gods of the other people when they started worshiping the false gods and setting up altars onto Baal in the groves because they had to marry into those families and they, they, just, they just had to, had to, had to. And so in that, what they did, they stopped worshiping the living God and started worshiping the false gods of these other peoples. And when that happened, the hand of God would lift, they would come under judgment and they would go into captivity. It's the same today. You might be here this morning, you might love God, you might know God, he might be with you, but if you turn from him, he's not mad at you, but he'll let you turn if you want to turn. And you'll find out when you turn from him, that leads you, you get to have it your way, Mr. Burger King, but when you turn to him and he lifts his hand and you, he turns you over to yourself, it leads to only one place, captivity. Turning from God never leads to freedom. People are delusional today whose faith has been shipwrecked, who once served the living God, who once called upon the living God. All of a sudden they are trying to deconstruct and figure it out their own way and, and assess it in their own capacity and capabilities and intellect and decide for themselves what about the word of God is true and is the word of God true and is God even alive? And they turn and they think they're turning to freedom because they don't have to answer to anybody anymore. Turning from God does not turn you from judgment. That's delusional. And so when they would turn from God and he would let them go, they weren't going to freedom. They would always go into bondage. And when they would go into bondage, what they would end up doing is crying out to God. God, this bondage is too great. The enemy is abusing us. They put us into slavery and captivity. We hide in our own fields, fearing the enemy. We, we plant seed and we reap our crops only to have the enemy come and steal it from us. We thought, God, that doing it our way would be okay, but we realize, God, that doing it our way leads to, leads to nothing but bondage. And they would cry out to God. And they would say, God, deliver us. And what would God do? He'd raise up a deliverer. He'd raise up a Samson, a Jephthah. He'd raise up these judges and these prophets. He'd raise them up. He'd raise up these great men, and then he would pull them out of captivity, and they would turn back to God, and they would turn back to the law, and they would turn back to the sacrifice. They would turn back to the worship, and they would live in peace, and they would live in joy, and they would live in hope. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. But every time their own lust would get the better of them and their own thinking would say, I got a better way because my way feels better to my flesh. My way feels better to, to, it makes me feel good. Serving God is not, a, is not a cheap thrill. We don't get the option to try God. You're either in or you're out. And if you're sitting there dancing on the fence, got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, you are in the most discouraging place you could put yourself. Because you no longer can have the fun that sin used to give you without conviction. And you, you, and you got your, 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 your foot in the, the, the kingdom of God and, and, and you're not realizing the best that God has for you because you're, you, you got this over here. When you go all in for God and you say, God, you are all I want. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. I'm hungering for your word. 
then you find the purpose for which you are allowed to breathe air on this planet. Those questions, where did I come from? Why am I here and why am I going? I'm glad you asked. He put it down in a book. And he says, you're not going to do it alone, but I'm going to send you a comforter. It's what he told the 120. He said, this isn't it. They watched him ascend to heaven. Jesus said, go into the upper room and tarry. Something about to happen. And the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came down upon the 120 and the upper room like a sound of a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of them. The Bible says when Christ was crucified that the veil of the temple was rent in two. The veil of the holy place was rent in two. So that which was on the inside could get out and that which was on the outside could get in. He took away the veil of your personal encounter and relationship with God. Jesus fixed the problem. He bridged the gap to let you know that you are not alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to baptize you with my spirit. The same spirit that's on the inside of me and that raised me from the dead shall be on the inside of you. You are not alone, man. That's why you have a hard time, one foot in the world and one foot. You got, you got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, the spirit of truth and conviction living on the inside of you. And every time you start hanging with the world, you get convicted. This ain't right, man. The scripture says it had been better for you to never know God than to know him and turn your back on him. I'm telling you, this world has flat lost its mind. He says in verse 17, even the spirit of truth, oh, watch this, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and what shall be in you? He's with you, but he's going to be in you. There's something coming. Your eyes not seen, your ears not heard, nor has it entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for you. You don't even know what I'm getting ready to do. The same spirit that raised me from the dead is not just going to be on you and dwelling with you. He's going to be in you. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because the journey that's in front of you is too hard for you. You can't kick addiction on your own. You, you can't kick lust on your own. You, you can't deny your flesh on your own. Are you kidding me? You can't stop all those things that you're feeding your flesh and your promiscuity on your own. You can't do it on your own. You might be convicted about it. You might feel bad about it. You might, when you're finished, feel dirty and not even know why you feel dirty. The spirit of truth, if he lives on the inside of you, he's giving you a check and he's saying, that ain't right, man. Just ain't right. But it feels so good and I feel so dirty. <laughs> Is that God saying, I hate you, I reject you, and I'm going to send you to hell, and I'm just, you mess up one more time, that's it, I'm going to drop you. No, that's God saying, and that's God with his compassion saying, I love you, and there's a better way, and it's led by truth. It's the spirit of truth. If you allow the spirit of truth that is dwelling with you to be in you, I will empower you to overcome. You can do this through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't think for a moment. I've been serving God since 1985 that my flesh doesn't rise up and say, feed me, feed me. Or my lust doesn't rise up and say, go ahead and do it. It'll feel so good. Don't think for a moment that my eyes don't try to wander and say, keep looking or just, just look. Don't think for a moment that my flesh doesn't want a, a feel good. My oldest son struggled with an addiction for years. I said, you know, he, he said, Dad, I, I was never <clears throat> addicted to drugs. He said, I was addicted to feel good. 
I just want to feel good. And part of just feeling good is forgetting about your responsibilities and forgetting about the burdens that you have to carry and forgetting about the, what you got to worry about tomorrow. You know, homeless people, a lot of them stay homeless a lot longer than they would have ever had to, but they live out there and they stay homeless because the only burden they carry is a meal and a shelter. They have no responsibility for anything else. And everyone, go people take care of them. And yes, we have compassion, but I'm telling you, there is a psychological thing that says, I just want to give up. The burden's too great. The journey's too hard. I want to throw in the towel. I'm tired of the responsibility. I'm tired of the bills. I'm tired of worrying about the kids. I'm tired of taking care of their needs. I'm tired of getting up every morning. I'm, try- I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, che- I'm out. I'm done. I'm checking out. Why? Because the journey's too hard and they can't do it by themselves. Man, this is a thing. And if the stars don't line up just right for you and your plans and, 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 and schemes and ambitions don't work out the way that you plan, you're going to find out a thing. This thing's tough. He says, the spirit of truth shall be in you. He says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but ye see me because I live. You shall live also. He says, I'm about ready to give you life. I want you to live. I want you to have something. That's, that's, that's the reason why I came. Jesus, he did not come to really show us how to behave. He did not come to exact a bunch of laws on us. He came because he wanted to be with us. He wanted to live with us. He wanted to be one with us once again. As Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, God's Shekinah glory, his manifested tangible presence covered them. They, they were unclothed walking in the garden, didn't know it because they were walking under the covering of a celestial being, God himself. And when that left them, they were alone and they hid And God said, it won't always be like this. I got a plan. But there is consequences for your actions. I told you what would happen. And you did it anyway. I didn't stop loving you. As a matter of fact, I didn't stop loving you. And I proved my love to you on the cross. You know, you think about the cross, and I'm closing. You're closing? Yes. What does that mean? Nothing. <clears throat> you think about the cross. What, what, is, what is the cross? It's an expression of who God is. God is love. How do you know? God is love. Why? Because he gave you he gave you a present. He gave you a car. He gave you a spouse. He gave you whatever. He gave you a job. God, oh, God is good. He loves me. This is the essence of love. This is manifested, tangible evidence of the essence and the nature and, and the deity of what God is. I get into uh, debates with uh, people that are in Islam, and they worship the one God, but they can't worship Jesus, and they're deceived. And they say, they say, why would why would God have to die? Why would He do that? Why would God have to die? Why would God have to send a son? I mean, he's God. Can't he just forgive us without dying? 
I said, well, how do you get to God? Well, we do this and we have to do that and we do this and we pray three times and we behave like it and we follow this law and we follow these laws and we do this and our behavior pleases God and that's why he forgives us. I said, your God's a tyrant. You got to earn his love. That's not my God. You can't earn his love. He doesn't demand that you earn his love. He came down and said, I am love. It's never a question, does God love you? Does God love the sinner? The question is, do you love God? Turn to your neighbor and say, I love God. All right, I'm closing. He says, now watch us, the spirit of truth, and I'll close with this. I don't have time to get into, but we know that John 3, 3 says, being born again of the spirit of God. You're born of water. You're born of spirit. What does that mean? That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. You're born of the water, and you're born of the spirit. You're born of the water. You break your mother's amniotic fluid. You come through the womb. You come out of the water. Born of the flesh, and then you're born of of the spirit. And when you become born again, it's called regeneration, Titus 3, 5. That's when you repent of your sin and say, God, I'm unclean, I'm undone, I'm alienated away from you. I am a sinner, I'm a transgressor, I'm unclean, I'm telestial, and you are celestial. You are holy and I am unholy. I dwell amongst unholy people. I'm unclean on the inside. I'm filthy, dirty, I can't wash it off. I'm filled with guilt and shame. God, I repent of my sin. I miss holiness. I miss celestial. I miss spiritual. I miss the essence of my inner being calling me out to who I am to ascend to the spiritual reality that this ain't it. Death is not the end. This ghost is leaving the shell and I can't stand the pacification anymore. I need satisfaction. I'm hungry, man. Lord, I repent of my sin. Jesus, I know you love me. You showed it on the cross. You died for me and you took my place. I come to you with contrition. I'm sorry for my uncleanness. I'm sorry for doing it my way. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I said. I forgive me, Lord Jesus. I'll forgive them, Lord. You forgive me. I need you, Jesus, in my life. Come in to my heart. I hunger for you, and I receive you now. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open the door of their heart, I will come in and I will sup with them and I will be with them and I will change them. He that is in Christ is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The spirit of truth lives on the inside of you that gives you an innate ability to see right and wrong and discern it for what it is. Even when, even when it's you that are that is engaging in it, you, the Holy Spirit of truth will just check you. That ain't right, man. You don't want to go there. You don't want to do that. That that's contrary to my plan. That's not clean. You can choose it, but you won't like it. You can go there, but it won't end well. I've got your destiny in my hand. The only hope that you have for a future is in me. Don't run. Spit out the pacifier. Let my Holy Spirit come on the inside of you. Let me fill you with my spirit of truth and love. Let me empower you. Let me endue you with power from on high. Let me fill you with the Holy Ghost. Let me baptize you in fire. Let me purge out the sin and the guilt and the shame and the unforgiveness. Let me transform you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and let me empower you to stand because the journey is too hard for you but I'm with you low even unto the ends of the age I am going with you Hmm. yeah 
That's being a Christian. Being a Christian isn't going to church. It's not piety. It's not ceremony. It's relationship. When you know that you're not alone anymore. When you know, I don't know how, but all that uncleanness, he washed. I took a bath on the inside. Man, he cleaned me. I don't know where it went, but it's just gone. That shame just left me. The guilt just left me. I don't know how I know, but I know I've been forgiven. I don't know how I know, but I know God is with me. I don't know how I I see things that I've never seen before. I know that I was in darkness and I have seen a great light. And yes, dear God Almighty, I've been converted by the power of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't about a church service and it wasn't about my mama's religion. It wasn't about the piety and the ceremony and the cathedral of religion. It is about a personal relationship. Man, I'm walking with God. He is my friend. I am engraved in the palm of his hand and I know I'm the apple of his eye. I don't go out there and sin because I can't. I don't go out there and sin because I don't have lust to do so. I refuse and to allow it because I want to please Him. I want to be close to Him. I want to walk with Him. I want to I want to sup with Him. I know that that's dark, that's empty, that's cold, that's dirty. Uh, there's no future in that. It leads and tends to bondage. But man, when I draw on to God with my whole heart, I'm drawing on to holiness and I'm drawing on to the essence of who I really am. I am God's child. I'm a child of the King. And there's no lust, there's no flesh, there's no perversion. There's no relationship. There's no person. There's no house, no car, no land that can chain me or turn me, baby. I'm on the Lord's side this morning. I'm with Him. He gives me strength. He gives me hope. He gives me power. He gives me an anointing to overcome. And I know I got the devil up under my feet. I cannot be defeated because I'm more than a conqueror. You can be more than a conqueror this morning. You got this, man. You can do this. Come on, somebody. Give God some glory. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Him to fill you. Some of you might be feeling a little distant from God. That's not God. That's not on Him because He's not far from you. Your heart just might feel unclean. You might feel like, I'm trying to get to God. What's stopping me? I want to get closer to him, but why can't I see it? The Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is a reasonable service. When I was out doing my own thing and I came to God, I knew I had to stop sleeping around. It wasn't pleasing to him. When I was out there doing my own thing, running drugs and snorting drugs and doing coke and, and dealing, and when I turned to God, I, I knew I had to stop those things. I, I didn't I just want to stop. I didn't want it anymore. I, I just saw the light, and then I saw the darkness, and I saw the contrast. There's no blurred lines, man. There's no gray area. Religion wants to turn it gray for you. God will give you a pass because of your preference. And God gives you a pass because of your feelings. No, he doesn't, man. If you want more of God, you got to do it his way. you got to deny your flesh. You cannot deny reality. You cannot go against his original intent and, and expect to draw closer to him. But if you say, yes, God, all of you and none of me, let me decrease that you might increase. He'll fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost like you've never experienced it before. He'll walk in great integrity and character and manifest the kingdom of God on the inside of you and joy and peace and hope and victory and love. Can I get a witness in here this morning? I'm trying not to preach, but I'm telling you God's in the house. You're a giant slayer. You're a man and woman of God. You're the apple of his eye. Just call upon him. Heavenly Father, I pray. I pray right now. Every person under the sound of my voice, Lord. 
I pray that your precious Holy Spirit, as it did on the day of Pentecost, come as a rushing wind and a baptism of fire. Get out the uncleanness. Take away the perversion. Wipe the slate clean. Take away the guilt, the shame. Give me a bath on the inside, Lord. I yearn for your spirit. I yearn for the celestial. I yearn for your presence, Father. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we pray this morning? Just say this with me as I turn this over. Just say, Heavenly Father, I don't know it all. But I know it's in your word. What you desire of me, I desire for myself. Help me, Lord, to see the truth of who I am and the barriers that are separating me from the life you have and the purpose you intended. Because I know it's good. Why? Because you love me. You showed me on the cross. I can't earn it. I can't work for it. You love me because you are love. In Jesus' name.